Hey, everybody. Let's take a trip off the beaten path and talk about Star Trek. <laughs> so uh, we're going to be a little bit of an off-beaten thing. I, I think this will be on the podcast feed and everything. If not, we're on the YouTube. Welcome, everybody. Uh, I'm going to be talking to TrekFan4387, who's Bill. Bill, how are you? Really, really good. Happy to be here. Happy to be talking Star Trek, as always. Uh, and first time on the Penske file, so yeah. it's an honor. And thank you for uh, inviting me on. No, no worries. I've wanted to uh, talk to you for a while because... Um, when Discovery's on and you, what, what you do is you, you basically poll the audience on Twitter. You put up a lot of polls and you ask for rankings and everything like that. So this discussion is going to be about uh, ranking Star Trek and sort of uh, putting like, you know, building spreadsheets and stuff like that, which, which I do as well on the podcast. And you do, obviously, because you're collecting all this information. And I think it's fascinating. Uh, I usually get like annoyed when Discovery is on and I see the results of the polls on Discovery and things like that. Uh, but it's interesting because I think that'll tie into our discussion about the ranking and uh, fandom, I suppose, at that point, too. Like, it kind of branches out into all of that. But people can follow you at TrekFan4387 if they're interested. I highly recommend it just because I, I enjoy uh, getting the feedback of polls and stuff that you do. So uh, do you want to describe why you do what you do? And if there's anything I missed, please feel free to correct me. No, it's... uh yeah, I do that. I also I rewatch Star Trek constantly. I've been rewatching Star Trek since as far back as I can remember, really, since I was a little kid. Um, and I I started doing these polls to just kind of get sort of a general idea of what other people think. I mean, I know I've seen obviously you know seemingly hundreds of like top ten lists and episode rankings and magazines and such like over the years, uh, but seeing you know how the the community that i tend to interact with largely view these episodes uh was something that was interesting to me and um gave me a kind of new perspective and a new thing to look for when i'm watching it uh new thing to think about so do you have like a, in a nutshell that's sure yeah well do you have like a system for it is it just that you have like the clock going of rewatch and you kind of base everything off of what episode you're watching in your rewatch cycle that you're in it's completely tied into my rewatch i I try to just uh i I tend to watch only during the weekends uh i I have no idea why it's not it's it didn't really become a hard and fast rule until i just kind of fell into the habit and then i stuck with it and said that's what i'm gonna do and uh yeah, I just I, I every time I hit an episode, I write a little like one tweet review. I give it an episode grade, um, uh, grade it like the same way I do with the polls, a letter grade over here in the United States, uh, the, the way school kids are graded. Mm-hmm. Um, and I uh, this last go round, I'll also pick an MVP of the episode, whether it be a performance or the writing, the directing, the editing, the, the, the music, you know, something like that, so a production element or, or a performance that I, I think is like the, 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 the uh, most notable achievement from the episode, which yeah. can be very difficult depending on the quality of the episode. <laughs> uh, or very easy, uh, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, sometimes it's very easy. Sometimes it's a no-brainer. Uh, and sometimes the great episodes are very difficult to narrow down. And the uh, the bad episodes are obviously sometimes uh, – can be difficult to pick something out. Yeah. Uh, but I also, the, the last thing I do with uh, each episode as I go through the rewatch is I, I do the poll to kind of compare what other people think and to try to elicit some feedback. Uh, you know, obviously I love uh, when people respond and give like a similar review, like a capsule. Hey, hey I thought this. 
Uh, but the poll is a quick and easy way for people to just quickly chime in and say, yeah, I think it's average to see or, you know, I love it. It's an A. Yeah. Uh, so th- it's, it's to try to balance, you know, how do other people see these episodes as opposed to, you know, myself? Yeah. We'll co- we'll come back to the, um, the methodology behind it, which I think is interesting uh, because mine, my rating is just my spreadsheet, which uh, people like listener Kyle make fun of me constantly for, for having this spreadsheet <laughs> where I keep these numbers. But I, I just grade everything on a scale of one to five. And it's basically just because YouTube's voting system was based on a five poll maximum. You can only put like five options in your poll. So I just went with one to five. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, so it's, it's I don't have um, in-depth numbers or anything like that. It's really just a way for me to track what's going on, I suppose, and to like remember things. Because I think that my rewatch of Star Trek for the podcast has shown me how bad my memory is about things like that. <laughs> and um, it's a good way to do it. So we're going to go more in depth, but I thought we'd break up uh, the general discussion with a few minor topics. And the, uh, the first one's going to be our Desert Island question. If you had one season each from TOS, TNG, in DS9, just because we're up to only DS9 in the in the, uh, the podcast, and I don't want to go beyond that. Uh, which do you take? So you get one episode, one DVD box set from each season of one show, of each show. So you get three DVD box sets. Which seasons do you take? You want to start with uh, TOS? You can go first. Sure. Uh, TOS, I, I think I probably have to go with season one. Uh, I'm hesitating a little bit. I love season two. I think season two's got some amazing highs, but I think maybe it has a few more missteps than season one yeah. in my mind. So I'll go with one. I also go with one. I think um, season two, I could see a certain kind of person going with if they are really into TOS and they kind of want like the uh, the middle of the pack season, I suppose, for better or worse. Like I, I could see season one is kind of the obvious answer, but I think it's the correct answer on the desert, the desert island. But I think that um, season two, I think you could go if you're a real big fan of TOS and you just want something a little bit different if you're burnt out in Corbin, uh, Corbinite Maneuver and things like that. <laughs> Uh, TNG is probably, and there's also only three seasons in TOS, so it's kind of a, sure. a lesser option. Uh, TNG, what are you going to go with? One to seven. This is a, this is tough. Uh, I'll go with three. I think three has the the most uh, notable highs for me. Uh, I think of the, obviously the best of both worlds, the first half of it, especially yesterday's Enterprise, the Offspring, Sins of the Father, the Enemy, the Defector, Survivors, Booby Trap. Survivors is an unbelievably great episode. Uh, Who watches the Watchers? There, there's a lot that I love in season three, and very again similar to season one of TOS. Very few that I would label as like downright missteps. So yeah, I feel like uh, it's the most consistently in the upper echelon. Of, of the For me, it was between six and three, and six is the argument I just made about TOS season two. I think if you wanted to get sort of um, clever with your pick, I think sure. you'd go with season six. Uh, but I think season three would just be the, the classic way that you'd remember the show. Uh, six doesn't have the classic episodes like that really, but it has like very, it has a very strong year of television. Uh, but if you, I guess if you want to go with the, um, the peak of the series, at least in terms of like episodes that stand alone, I think you'd have to go with TNG season three. So DS9, go ahead. Um, I'm going to go with season five, which I think. You know, I, I could easily make a case for for six. Uh, I could even maybe make a case for seven, on, on, in, in some ways. But uh, season five, I think, ha- has a really strong mix of episodes. It's got you know the build up to the war. There are episodes that are really tied to that long, you know, story thread. Uh, but it's got a it's got a balance of some light stuff, trials and tribulations, 
uh, most notably, uh, I-, I love the ship as like an action adventure kind of romp. Uh, I like the dirty tension of, of that episode. So I-, I feel like that runs the gamut and I think it's probably deep space nine at its most consistent. No. I think season six is the other choice for me, but I, I, I think season six, uh, not where you are yet, a little further where you're about to get, I think, uh, towards the back end of the season, there might be a few missteps yeah. that kind of finish <laughs> off the season uh, right before the end uh, that I think steer me more towards five. Yeah, I, I, this is a tough one for me. Um, for me, it's either season four or six. I think clearly those are the two mm. top seasons, in my opinion. But um, I think that season... The the argument that we have is whether or not you are building your baseball team and you want to have a power hitter who strikes out a lot, or if you just want to have a on-base percentage guy who just gets on base. Season four is the on-base thing. It's not very sexy, but the episodes are generally all very good. Uh, there's not a lot of horrendous missteps, as you say. Season six has a lot of home runs in it, but it also has a lot of strikeouts in it at the same time. Um, I think I'll go with season six just because if this is my only one, it's the one that I think better represents the series than season four does. Um, just with a Dominion track and everything like that, and the war going on, and the R, the opening occupation arc. I think it all just makes more sense uh, to have that be your one season. If you're going to remember DS9, I think six is my way to do that. So that's it. We only we only diverge on a uh, DS9. Which is fine. And DS9 yeah. is probably DS9 is probably the series I think that most people could have different opinions about what they wanted to uh, take with them. I think it's the most open ended out of all the shows so far, the TOS, TNG, and DS9. Yeah, I think if you put you know ten, twenty people in a room, yeah, I think you'd get a pretty fair mix. I think anything from you know four, five, six, seven, I think would be represented in, in responses. What? I think probably most notably five and six, four as well. Yeah, uh, but. Most um, most surprising, most surprising season. If someone came up to you and said, "What?" Uh, if someone said, "This is the TNG season," I would take, and they said it. What would you? What would be your surprising answer? What would be the most shocking answer for TNG that someone could say to you? Uh, you know, uh, my gut says season one, but I know people who love season one of TNG. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I I know there are people who I don't know if they would say that that's their desert island selection. So I guess I will say season one. I have a hard time picturing somebody saying that's the season I want to watch for the rest of my life for yeah. the next generation. But I do know people who who find it charming and uh, a throwback and very nostalgic. And I'm kind of one of them. I, I do appreciate the nostalgia of it. I grew up watching it. Uh, but season one, I, I'd, I'd probably say, what about you? What would surprise you? Probably four. Like if someone said one, mm. I'd think that they're being a little bit too clever with it. Like, I, I think they'd be like, Oh, you like, I was a Star Trek fan before it got good. So obviously, <laughs> obviously I'm, I'm more clever than you. I think, Season four of TNG is kind of like a real downturn for the show after a great season. It's the sophomore slump, really, when the show actually started being what it was. And then they came in with season four, and it's a little bit of a letdown to me. And there's not a lot of classic episodes in that one, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, It's just kind of a middling. It's the season where they focus on the families, the extended families of the crew. And I don't really care about that. So I'd be surprised if anyone picked that season, I think. Uh, Sorry, did you have something you want to say? No, I was just going to say interesting. Uh, you know, I, I actually I love season four. I think it's it's not quite to the standard of three, uh, but I, I, I there are some episodes in there that I do really like. But I do like a lot of the family stuff, so maybe that's the that's the source of the diversion. Sure, sure. Um, season five has got ca- cause and effect and all that stuff and all that's all good. It does. Let's um let's get back to the the rating. So the reason that I find this interesting is that um the divergence of results you'd get. From what you're doing, which is sampling Star Trek fans who are very into Star Trek, 
And not to say the people who listen to my podcast aren't into Star Trek, because that's obviously insane if I said that. Um, there's a, I think, I think the onlineness of Twitter changes your polling thing. And I noticed this most in Discovery's coverage. Uh, and it t- kind of ties in, and you're, the, the thing of that always makes me laugh about discoveries that I've been saying for you is that everyone gave every episode an A. Like the, the show <laughs> runs away with A's on your poll. It's it's like eighty percent A, you know, seventeen percent B, and then someone gives it a C or something like that. And I find it very funny. And you, your response to when I was like, "What the fuck is going on? Why is this happening?" Your response was, "Give it time, and in five years, the results will be different from this." Yeah, I find that strange, and I wanted to know what you thought about that as a Star Trek fan what you think why you think that happens i suppose and maybe that sounds like an obvious question but i'm interested in saying what you think about it well i think first of all i think i think the the majority of the people that uh, interact with me on a pretty regular basis are in the camp of i love discovery i'm excited about discovery i'm hungry for discovery it's new star trek i it, it you know and there's certainly, I certainly talk to people and I interact with people who have negative things to say about discovery from time to time or even consistently, but it's, it's a largely pretty positive group. And a lot of it is like, what, what pool of people are you kind of playing in? Mm -hmm. I think, Uh, but I do think that the recency bias plays a lot into it. And I, I guess my one piece of evidence to that, that I could point to is when I did the polls the way I just did for season two in season one, like as the episodes were airing week to week, those polls were very similar to what you see in season two, very heavily weighted towards A's. You know, people loving every, every minute of it. You're talking about Uh, season one, you're talking about season one. Yes. And then when I months later, maybe even closer to a year later, when I hit season one of discovery in my sort of rewatch and hit it, you know, after enterprise and before TOS. And as a, and I, I assume as a reboot to get ready for season two of discovery, I would think would sort of, sort of. Uh, more, more just in line with my constantly cycling rewatch. Interesting. I, I watched enterprise and I hit discovery next and I, I jumped right into it and I did it. And it was conveniently, you know, a few months before season two. Uh, so it worked in that way. But, um, there was a, a noticeable difference. I I felt, uh, you know, it's certainly still skewing more towards the positive. I think because there are a lot of people out there like me who who are probably more forgiving of it than me, than not <laughs> yeah, <laughs> than <sure>. you, <laughs> than many others. Sure. Uh, people who uh, you know just are so excited that it's it's here. And I, you know, I admit that I was like that with. The other shows when they were when they were on, I'm old enough to have watched you know Enterprise as a high school kid, and I I thought that show was the greatest thing since sliced bread when I was watching it as a high school kid. I mm-hmm. loved it, uh, and I, I was gutted when it was canceled. It was like the worst thing that had ever happened to me. Right, uh, my I was born in 1987, so I had Star Trek on my entire life. So I was consuming these shows as they were coming as a kid, and it, I tend to respond very positively in the beginning. And as I get away from it and I see them a dozen times over the years and watch them in context with everything else surrounding it, uh, everything sort of settles into a sense of normalcy. Yeah. And I, I recognize that in myself and I think I see that in the polling that as I let months go by and I hit it again with the same exact poll, largely polling the exact same people, I, I, I think, in in grand scheme of things, sure. uh, the, the, they're much more down to earth. Uh, 
you know, certainly still skewed positive, probably more positive than even I would go. You know, there are plenty of episodes of Discovery that, you know, I'd go more into the C range or the B minus range, uh, or at least the B range. Uh, yeah, I mean, so and, and I'm, to to clarify for me, I'm not saying that mm-hmm. these polls should say F across the board. Like, sure, I, yeah. I I I think the question for me is, it's a runaway A. Like, it's, it is. It's not. It's not even close, or it's not borderline. Where like, there's the group of people who really love Star Trek and are giving it an A, and then some fifty percent give it a C. As like that was kind of an average episode of TV. It's it's really the runaway nature of it that surprises me and. I, it's funny because I don't see that in the general Star Trek feedback. So it's interesting to me that your group and you get a you get a good amount of votes on it. It's not like it's like three people who are like and I'm looking at results from like three people voting on a poll and I'm surprised by the results. But sure. if you get a decent amount on it, I just I find it very I find it interesting that it's probably the way that we're watching this for the podcast. I find myself having to be extremely critical about these things. And I think that I'm just kind of a, like, it's unusual, I think, to watch TV critically, which is interesting Mm -hmm. to me. Like, I think a lot of people, and particularly for Star Trek, just kind of like to watch it and have it on and they're happy if it's on. Yes. And I find that I can, I can appreciate that, but at the same time, you shouldn't be voting. I'm not telling you what to do, but at the same time, I've heard of, have I'd have a hard time voting on a poll. I don't, I don't think you need to be like, you know, pass some kind of test to vote on this poll or anything, but I, I find it interesting that you're going to give it an A just because it exists, I suppose would be the way to look at it. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's, I wouldn't, I don't want to put words in people's mouths and I'm sure everybody has a different reason mm-hmm. for, you know, why they vote the way they do. But, uh, I, I think people get caught up in the moment and, the, the the positives are uh, sometimes very surface level and easy to consume and easy to, to recognize right off the bat if you're really hungry for it and you, you're you're caught up in interacting with people online that are also talking it up and loving it. Uh, to to and that's the other thing I guess I would I would want to point out about these polls that we're kind of talking about here. They're often posted. I, I, I typically would the show obviously. Season one was airing on Sunday nights. Season two was airing on Thursday nights. I would typically give it like 24 hours and then post the poll on Friday. Right. So a lot of times this is within 24 hours of people watching it. They've only seen it once. Uh, and uh, yeah, and I, I, I certainly would readily admit that the people that I typically interact with are uh, overwhelmingly positive about Discovery. And I know that there's a, a wide range of opinions of Discovery in the fan base and in, in the in, in the, 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 the internet mm. uh, bubble. Uh, but uh, I, for whatever reason, maybe it's because of how I talk about discovery and how I do my thing. Uh, I don't tend to have many interactions with some of the other type. Yeah. If yeah. You follow what I'm saying? I do. Um, but I told one thing I do want to kind of point out that the way you watch star Trek, uh, trying to watch it with a, with a critical eye to represent your opinions on the podcast. I totally recognize that. And that's, that's actually why I do what I do in a nutshell. I, you know, I started wanting to post little reviews on Twitter and take polls and rank episodes and do these Trekkie award things that I do, where I do like Oscar style, uh, best of each season things as I go through my rewatches. That's all an attempt to, as a guy in my early thirties, having watched Star Trek for 32 years, uh, trying to force myself to watch it with a fresh eye and do different things and not just succumb to the very easy habit of, it's comfortable background noise and not something that I'm watching with an attentive eye to, you know, right. Discover things that I really like and things that I might have an issue with. Uh, these things 
force me to sit down and pay attention to it and try to view it with an open mind and not just assume that what I thought when I was 12 or when I was 25 or 30 is, is still true today. Yeah. Yeah. What would, and this obviously isn't a, uh, we started with discovery just because I think it's the easiest example of like whatever sure. I'm talking about, but it, it, this is not necessarily a um, discovery bash. Uh, we'll do that <laughs> later. But I think that, um, I think that like, so what would you say? Do you, do you have a methodology to the rating system? Like, I I find it helpful to say that for me, a five is this, a four is that, a three is that in terms of uh, sort of my reaction to it as I'm watching, just so I have some sort of like landing space to understand why I think I should grade something that way. Do you, so you're in the, you're either just finishing or in the middle of TNG season one, right? I just finished it. So I'll, I'll be doing season two very in the next week. So do you have a set of rules that are like when you're when you're voting for these things, are you voting against other season one episodes, Star Trek as a whole or TNG as a whole, or like some kind of rate this according to this kind of framework? You know what I'm saying? I don't have a really well-defined framework. Uh, To be be honest, I'm like you, I have spreadsheets and I I track things as I go and I'm, I'm a data guy. Uh, not the character, the methodology, <laughs> like the, 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 the tracking of information. Uh, and I, when I finish these rewatches, I have, um, when I, when I watch everything, I have a ranking from one to 700 and whatever it is at that time, mm. top to bottom, all shows put together, uh, that I do, I place each episode one at a time. And especially as I'm going with, um, the rewatch and there's more context in that list. I tend to first look at that, try to pinpoint where I want to put the episode. And then that kind of tells me sure what kind of rating it is, what kind of ballpark it's in. Yeah. yeah I try to, to kind of let that guide it. How does it compare to other episodes that are in the same ballpark and you know, where does it fit? Um, but you know, it's, it's the standard stuff for the most part, you know, an a is an episode that uh, like a solid A is an episode that I, I, I love to the point where I can kind of pop it in at any time. I'd be proud to show it to somebody as represent re- representative of why I love Star Trek. It's got qualities in it that speak to what, you know, what I love about Trek. Yeah. Uh, an F is something that I feel like is, you know, very problematic, very difficult to find anything positive to say uh, other than it's Star Trek and the characters that I love and the, the settings that I love are there. Sure. Uh, that's, that's kind of the baseline that's there no matter what. Uh, but, and just kind of, I think of it like a school thing. If I'm, if I was a teacher and I was grading a paper, you know, mm-hmm. a C is average, a B is, 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 is good, not great. Uh, an A is great. A D is, you know, below average an F is a failure. Yeah. And, uh, I, I kind of try not to overthink it. Um, but I, I try to let that episode ranking, system guide it and, and, and where I put the episode is where it fits and that's the grade it should get. Sure. And I, I think that um, the reason that I'm interested in talking about this is that there is a lot of like, uh, there's a common like critical thing. A lot of critics do this thing where they refuse to give letter grades to things, which yeah. I sort of understand. And I sort of don't understand at the same time. Like I understand that you want people to read the actual review and not just click on the right. thing and see an 87 and go, okay, it's better than this 86 and whatever that means. Um, mm-hmm. I can understand that at the same time, I find the ranking of things to be more 
eye-opening than sometimes the review can. Like the like for, for all the shit that list videos get on YouTube, and I have a couple of list videos because people do them because they get clicks. But for all the the clicks that, that they get, there is something instructive in seeing a top ten list from somebody because you get a sense of where they are. Like you, they can talk about those ten episodes without telling you an in-depth opinion about what they think about Star Trek, and you kind of understand where they're coming from. You can also tell if they're putting any thought into it at the same time, because it's right. easy to just copy paste a list and be like, this is my list. It's, these are the 10 best episodes. Um, but like when you see a list that has a weird, like a couple weird ones in there, you're like, oh, this person actually like thought about what they're doing. And they, I can see what their general opinion is about it. Um, mm-hmm. I guess there's a couple, there's a couple weird ones probably uh, speak to and identify the sort of fan that person is like what makes right. that person tick what do they love about it if this person you know, clearly loves time freedom. travel right exactly sure, exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and i i think that that's like that so i guess what would would you have any arguments against the this criticism that the ranking of things and the rating of things is not a proper way to watch star trek or anything like that i, I would push back against Really, anybody trying like defining you know what the proper way to watch Star Trek is. I think whatever works for you know who's who's doing it and who's consuming it uh, is 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 fine. Um, I, I I see both sides. You know, I do see the the argument that that would say that you know ranking things is is like you said an attempt to get attention, get clicks, uh, get people talking. Uh, without necessarily a lot of substance, yeah, um, no work put but, into it, yeah, right, yeah, you know, on on and theoretically anybody could do it, and uh, yeah, I, I definitely see that as a as a potential criticism and well founded in a lot of cases, um, but like I said, for me, it's 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 a way to um, talk about it in a little bit of a different way, especially if if you're trying to tackle it the way I do, where I'm looking at it all kind of as a collective whole. Um, a way to compare an episode of discovery against an episode of Voyager. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of putting it all into context and trying to look at it from a fresh perspective. It, let's, it, let's, it works for me. Yeah, it, it seems to generate some. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I didn't sorry. mean to interrupt, but I, that, that's a good, ah. it's a good jumping off point actually. Um, and it kind of ties into like a, a weird thing about like how I, I think discovery is actually the hardest series to rate, but how, mm-hmm. how would you rate, series against each other i suppose um it, to me it's kind of easy for the 90s track because they're all kind mm. of the same show basically same. right um, exactly so it's it's easy to say that this is very similar to that and something that um discovery drives me a little bit crazy it feels like we're going off in discovery tangents but discovery is <laughs> the, the show that proves or the exception that proves the rule almost for me where I see one of my weirdest, one of my hardest takes for Discovery that people always say is that the show would be better if it had 24 episodes in a season. And I, I just strongly disagree with that. The, uh, in my opinion, the show would just simply have double the amount of stuff that it's doing now, which wouldn't amount to anything better. It's not that the show is running out of time to explain what it wants to do. It has too much stuff in the amount of time that they're trying to do. So if you doubled it, they would just double the amount of stuff on it. And I think that rating it against the other series is difficult for that because I think you came out with discovery rankings where you ranked the episodes of discovery. And I tried to do that for season two. I tried to keep like a running tally of how I would rank the episodes. And I, for discovery, I only remember the standout episode 
and maybe the worst episode of the season. I don't even remember the worst episode of season one. I definitely remember season two. But I, I don't have a – because of the serialized nature of it, I don't have a standout. And I think that it's weird that I have standouts for other serialized shows. So it's not a serialization problem. It's the fact that Discovery's episodes are very similar to each other, in my opinion, and not in a good way. So how how do you go about rating Discovery? Or have you noticed anything with Discovery compared to the other shows that I think are a little bit easier to do this kind of system with? Well, uh, the other shows are, are certainly easier to handle. I, I feel like I know them better. There are, yeah, it's it's easier in some ways and maybe more difficult than others because it's it's harder for me to uh, shed my preconceived notions about the next generation and Voyager and Deep Space Nine and Enterprise and the original series, all of them. It's always nice. So always nice times. when it happens, though. I think uh, since I be- since I've become a father, a couple of episodes have actually changed in my estimation. But I think that like it's kind of a rare event, and you. Um, actually for more of it, it's like, I only saw the episode when I was much younger and I was kind of, you know, a stupid kid and you don't really understand what the show was talking about, but now you appreciate those mm-hmm. episodes. As Clay says, you like the, um, the episodes that are just kind of people talking are much better when you're older in a way that you yeah. didn't really care for them when they were kids. Yeah. So there's definitely that, uh, and it is awesome and really an interesting experience to come across that as it happens when you sit down and watch an episode and go, wow, that really worked for me a lot better than it did the last 10 times Yeah, uh, over the, over the however many years. Uh, so there's, there's that element for me when I'm rewatching and rate rating and ranking those other shows where discovery, I'm still kind of reckoning with how the show fits into the grand scheme of things. You know, I, I I'm as, as you well know, I'm much more positive on the show than, than maybe you are. And many other people are, uh, I, I do, I do love discovery, uh, full disclosure and, uh, don't throw your tomatoes at me too hard. <laughs> Everybody that listens to the Penske pile. No, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people do but, like discovery. I find it. Very uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's good. Uh, there's certainly a variety of opinions out there and I'm, I'm sure it's, you know, well represented yep. in, in your listenership. Uh, but uh, it's, it is a much harder show to define. And, and it is, I think some of it is, I hear what you're saying about, you know, others, other, um, you have an easier time with other serialized shows. For me, I, I'm, I'm actually not a huge TV guy outside of Star Trek. So there aren't a lot of, I don't have a whole lot of experience watching other serialized television. And what I do have experience with, I find a lot of the same issues with Discovery. Uh, the, the, I do have a harder time picking out, you know, individual episodes and poking holes in an in individual episode and, and not thinking about it as a, a greater whole, like the way that the, like the season is telling the story. Yep. Uh, there are, there are a handful of shows, you know, Mad Men, I've obviously, I've watched and uh, Downton Abbey, I've watched, uh, you know, things like that, but I do have, I can't very easily pinpoint episodes out of those shows. Um, you remember moments, actually, right? The I remember moments. moments. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Moments, uh, maybe a highlight episode, like you were saying, uh, you know, with discovery, I actually do. I, my, the thing that I kind of, maybe you've heard me say it on the show I do on YouTube, Trek live. Uh, yeah, you can, you can, I, why don't you just plug that right now, I guess, so people know that they can go check it out. Sure. Yeah. I'm on a, I do a YouTube show with uh, a friend of mine, uh, Dan. Uh, it's usually on Saturday or Sunday mornings. We just go live on YouTube and talk Star Trek. It's very casual. It's very laid back. It's, we usually have a topic. We always have a topic, but, uh, very kind of relaxed and we have all the, the positives and negatives of doing it live. Um, yeah. <laughs> We struggle with technology sometimes, and it's not always totally clean, but uh, we get to have some neat interactions with people like the Penske File, Wes. Yeah, you you guys, the only Uh, problem I'd have is um, 
you need to do that kind of stuff during my work day so that I can actually watch <laughs> things like that. And uh, the Saturday mornings are a very difficult time, I think, for people. But they are. You, you guys need to take the day off from work, obviously, and just do things around. Yeah, that's yeah, we, we, we struggle with the, the time zone issues. He's on the West Coast. I'm on the East Coast. Uh, He's, he's newly married. I, I have a busy life myself. Uh, so it sometimes can be difficult to find that live time that works for everybody. But uh, it it's, uh, yeah, it's an ongoing challenge. But <laughs> we love doing it when it works. When it works out, it's really, really fun. We have some cool conversations and we get uh, a, a, wide variety, a wide variety of people uh, that kind of pop in and out. Um, but, yeah, that's that's what we do, Trek Live on YouTube. But um, I've, I've talked about this on, on that show quite a few times that I actually find that the discovery episodes are certainly very, very serialized, but I, I don't have as much trouble with identifying the episodes as like somewhat not episodic, but they have enough individual characteristics for me that I, I can do it mm-hmm. to some extent. It's not easy all the time and it takes time. I'm still reckoning with, especially the back half of season two of discovery. I feel like if I close my eyes and I redid it again, as compared to what I did, a couple months ago when the show was on, it, it very well may look very different. Yeah. Uh, I'm still reckoning with how I feel about a lot of things at the back end of that season. Um, but I, I don't have a terrible time. I, I don't think I have as much difficulty with it as you do. Interesting. I'm not, I'm not going to, uh, I guess the proof here would be I quiz you on what happens. Each episode. <laughs> I think I could probably pass. That'd be, that'd be interesting. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to do that. Um, That's another show. Maybe. <laughs> what that actually means is I cut out you successfully doing it and I don't want people to listen to it. There we go. Um, yeah. I, I think that the, the, just getting back to the, the, the ranking aspect of sure. it and the sort of like the, the rating aspect of it, I do find it to be, one of the things that I find perhaps the, the thing that um, is driving my sort of weirdness about discovery for you is that when we do this, right, I, mm-hmm. th- you know, there's about 175 episodes in each of the nineties series. Mm-hmm. There's like 80 in the TOS series and everything like that. Uh, one of the listeners on discord was just like, what is the, re- what is the percentage of good Star Trek to bad Star Trek? And I defined a good episode as what I would give it like a four or five, where a three is just kind of an average episode and you wouldn't say that's a great episode or anything. And it's pretty low, actually, across the board. So the, 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 the startling thing to me is for how many episodes of TV they put out, a lot of them are not particularly good, in my opinion, anyway, for how we're looking at the series. And to see them be rated more highly and more consistently highly is kind of interesting to me. And I think that the biggest takeaway I take away from the show is that it's a different era of TV, opposite mm-hmm. of Discovery. There's just so many episodes, and a lot of them are not very, not, not very good. It's that Futurama has a joke where they talk about, well, do you remember the original series? It's like, yeah, it was a show with like 80 episodes and there's about 12 good ones or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I kind of agree with that. And that's been an interesting thing that I picked up. I don't know how you feel about with, with endlessly rewatching them, uh, but do you notice that or do you think it changes anything about the series for you? Um, Particularly with DS9, I think. One one of our listeners, I think his name is CL, or however you pronounce it, C-I-E-L, hmm. um, always says that DS9 functions best for him as a uh, curated show. When he, curated when he show, watches okay. it through, he watches about 70 episodes, or he or she watches it through, it's about 70 episodes. Yeah. And I can see that for DS9 as we're doing it now. 
I don't see it for the other series, which is maybe the reason that DS9 is so specific. But I guess I was just wondering your take about things like that. Like, after you've seen these so many times, what do you do with the bad episodes? Or not even the bad episodes, the twos in my world that are, like, not so bad that they're enjoyable, but it's like, what the hell is this? Why am I watching it? Right. For me, it would be, I guess, the equivalent would be, like, the, the Cs and below. Cs and Ds, yeah. Uh, yeah, Cs and Ds. Um, yeah, I um, Deep Space Nine certainly, I think, is probably the show that lends itself most to a curated watch because it is – it has elements of serialization. There's a there's a thread that you can kind of whittle down, and there are episodes that you can easily cut out. Where the other shows are are, are completely essentially one off. So, yep. like, where do you you could, you could curate them if you wanted to, but there would not necessarily need to be a rhyme or reason to it. Right. right. It's only it's only just to save time mission. to do it, as opposed yeah. to DS9. You can. I feel the DS9 story can be improved through curation, where the TNG you're not improving it. You're just kind of saving people time from watching bad episodes. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. I guess if that's the approach. But for me, I think maybe because of the, sort of my story with Star Trek and the way that I grew up with it, uh, with it being like, yeah, you know, I, I always kind of say that aside from my parents, the thing that made me who I am the most is is Star Trek. It's 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 like the clear biggest influence in my life outside of my mom and dad. So, and it's been that way since I was in a walker. Uh, you know bouncing around the house, bumping into furniture and, you know, rushing to the living room when I heard the Star Trek, the motion picture theme. Come on. Yeah. Uh, Your parents that's, leaving, that's just, leaving you with a babysitter as they go off to the Star Trek convention in Vegas or something. Is yes. <laughs> yes. Like as a, as a five-year-old taking VHS taped off of TV episodes of the next generation of my grandparents' house for the weekend when my parents sure. go on vacation, then that's how I'm going to entertain myself. Yep. Four or five years old. So like for me, because I grew up watching it as a, a, a constantly, I, I maybe maybe it's being more forgiving of it. Maybe it's easier for me to just kind of envelop into the world of it. It's easier for me to kind of just roll with it and and accept it for what it is. This is why I try to do the ranking and the rating to try as hard as I can to put a critical eye, like some degree of a critical eye, because it is an uphill battle for me. There's so much nostalgia and so much memory associated with every inch of this franchise for me that it's exceedingly difficult to not just ooze in how much love I have for every inch of what it has to offer. Sure. And uh, so for me, and because of that, I think that basis is why I don't do curated watches. I've watched Star Trek many, many times and I'm, I'm the type of person that struggles mightily with going to the shelf and going, Hmm, which one do I want to watch today? And kind of pulling down a box set and putting on the Doomsday Machine kind of randomly. Right. Or pulling down and I'm going to say, I'm going to watch Darmok tonight. When I watch Darmok, I tend to watch it after I watch Redemption because that's what's in order. You know what I mean? Like I hit it in the order and I I really only tend to watch Star Trek in bulk. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't, I don't really watch them as one-offs and I don't bounce around very much. Um, Discovery, I admit to doing because it's, it's new and I'm trying to conquer it and understand how I feel about it. So I do kind of, uh, and because it's less, you know, it's only 14 episodes, 15 episodes, depending on the season, it's easier for me to say, okay, this week I'm just going to watch that. Right. But aside from that, because of its newness and because of its unique kind of place in Star Trek for right now, uh, I, I have a hard time wrapping my head around, uh, taking that approach with, with Trek. Um, so I, I don't, I, I don't dispose of episodes very often. I watch code of honor, Every time I watch Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I, yeah. I, I'm probably the opposite. Like, uh, 
Well, I actually have a question for you, actually. Let's do, uh, let's sure. do one of these ratings, and then we'll go back to my question about that. Don't let me forget. Just say, remember that question you were going to ask. Um, I'll, I'll remind you. <laughs> so let's say, let's, let's rank the TNG main cast characters. There's 10 of them. It's the people who had their names in the, uh, the opening credits. Uh, so there is, uh, just randomly, it's Worf, Data, Riker, Picard, Troy, Crusher, Wesley, Yar, Pulaski, and LaForge. There's 10 of them. A brutal assignment, by the way. It's, very, very difficult. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I had the difficult, I had the difficulty with the, I don't have difficulty with the top four. I have difficulty mm. with the others, sort of. But how about? Um, okay. Do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Do you want me to work my way up, work my way down? Uh, let's. What do we want to do? Let's bounce back, back and forth quickly, and then we'll see where things stand. I'm going to write yours down as as you do it, so that I know what we're talking about in comparison to each other. So, okay. Why don't you go with number ten? Uh, I'll go with Yar for my number ten. Yar's ten. My number ten is Wesley Crusher. So, what's your nine? I'll go with, uh, I'm going to call an audible and go with Wesley Crusher. It's different than what I wrote down, but I'm feeling good about it. That's Wesley. My number nine is Yar. So we're we're basically sticking around. How about your eight? I'll go with Pulaski. Interesting. I've got Crusher up there, so you're going to put Pulaski. Seven. Troy. Troy. My seven is Troy as well. We're united there. Six. Uh, LaForge. Oh, interesting. Jordy's there for me too. Number six. Number five. Riker. Riker. I got Pulaski right there. Number four. I'm going with Crusher. Beverly Crusher. Oh, wow. Crusher. Dr. Dr. Crush. Number three. Worf. Uh, Worf was my four. So you've got Worf at number three. Number two. Oh, okay. Uh, Data. Data. And then Picard at number one, obviously. Correct. So my four are Worf, Picard, Riker, and Data in in that order. Um, I think our biggest one there is Pulaski. Which would be something worth talking about if we wanted to do yeah. anything of that. The other is Picard Data, obviously at the top right there. I could probably pick sure. your brain about why uh, Picard over Data. What do you want to talk about? Do you want to defend Picard over Data or do you want to talk about <laughs> Pulaski? I'd rather talk about Pulaski because Picard Data for me, you know, Picard's my, my favorite character in, in Star Trek, uh, going back to when I was a kid. But Picard Data to me is like, that's that's splitting hairs really sure you know, data is high high on my list of favorite characters of all time too, so i'll give my uh, one criticism of that uh that you can't sure. defend and then we'll move on to the next thing Go ahead. so um <laughs> my, my criticism would be i was looking at the captain's list and it's for me the captains except for tos because there's really only three characters on that show the captains of series have a hard time breaking into the top three across the board for me. Um, Interesting. Picard is probably, like, he doesn't have a hard time breaking into three, but I think Janeway does. I think that Cisco kind of does on their respective casts, like when you're showing them against other characters. There Maybe a hard a hard time is kind of the wrong way to say it, but they are they comfortably settle at three, usually, in the order of things. Um, Fascinating. And from the recent TNG rewatch, I think the listeners will remember that one of my takeaways was that I was unimpressed with Picard as a character in a way that I misremembered him culturally, I think. Uh, I was more impressed with Kirk, interestingly, than my memory was of him. But let's talk about uh, Pulaski, and then we'll get on. So you had Pulaski at eight. I have her at five, which is fairly high, I think, for me. Why do you not, uh, why do you not respect Pulaski enough here? Well, <laughs> I, I actually, I, I don't. I don't dislike Pulaski nearly as much as, as many do. Um, I, 
Do you think she's know, over? Think, do you think she's overrated as a hated character? I think she is overhated. Yes, sure. I think I think she's she gets too much too much flack. I think there are the, the positives that I would that I would kind of throw Pulaski's way is I think she relates. Obviously, by my placement of Crusher, I I do like Beverly Crusher, and I like the dynamic of Picard and Crusher. Even yeah, that's doesn't that's necessarily other, go anywhere. That's the but, other thing I'll talk about there. So you're obviously doing it as you do this. In my opinion, Pulaski blows Crusher out of the water as a character. So that's the other funny thing about your your list there. So if you want to just add that into your uh, what you're talking about, my assessment. Yeah, sure. Uh, P- Pulaski relates to Picard in a very different way. Uh, I like the sort of uh, foil element that she kind of brings to the table. She's she, she's willing to go toe to toe with Picard in a way that Beverly Crusher obviously you know is not really inclined to do. Uh, there's a very different dynamic there, uh, but um, I think Pulaski kind of struggles to assimilate into. The cast as a whole, um, she has some nice moments with Worf in a really weak episode that I, I don't really care for up the long ladder with the tea ceremony. I like that scene a lot. Yep. Uh, She's I in the her, omelet scene, too. She has a lot of good food scenes she, with people. She does yeah. have good food scenes. That's a good point. She has good little moments here and there. I, I like uh, the, the the sort of quiet little evolution that she has with Data where she kind of comes to respect him a little bit more as the season goes along. I think there's a neat little arc there. Uh, you watch child and then watch her in something like peak performance very end of her run uh there's a there's a clear change there that i think the character really deserves some props for for pulling off yes um and i think she certainly she's fully fleshed in a way that no character is in season one to two she has like an arc that no character has except for except for yar maybe who dies and that's her arc but that's not really anything yeah but she Pulaski, even though they, they start, like, the arc is basically because they fucked her up at the start. They they wrote her incorrectly, so they had to fix her by the end of it. But it's mm-hmm. still a character, it it's still a character development that the other characters mm-hmm. don't have, which I think is why she's so strong, especially compared to Crusher, who, I think Crusher is fairly weak as a character. She's the character who, whenever they had a plot that they weren't sure who to give it to, Crusher usually got it. So she ends up with this sort of weird side collection of hobbies that she does over the course you know like (laughs) she's never really defined in any way as the except for the character who gets the story that no one else is really perfect for in my opinion it's an interesting uh perspective that i I can't argue with uh, certainly the the hobby thing there's definitely a weird uh evolving like what's crusher into kind of thing she's a drama teacher for a while and like dancer, I, I totally get yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, dancer. Like whatever's kind of convenient at the time. Uh, I I like the sort of simmering. I don't even know if it's the tension's really the word, but I like the simmering relationship that is kind of there with Picard and Crusher. Maybe I read more into it, and that's on me. That that than it, than it's actually earned on screen. Uh, maybe my brain does. Too much of the work uh, mm-hmm. when I'm watching that show, but that I find interesting. I always find little interesting things to, to kind of latch onto as I watch that show with with that relationship. I find the history there that is largely unexplored and just kind of alluded to and not really developed much. Perfectly credible uh, criticism, yeah, uh, to, to levy that way. Uh, but I, I find enough there to be interesting that I I kind of like the Crusher character, yeah. Um, I like the the look of. Uh, they certainly do it better in Deep Space Nine with Ben Cisco, but the single parent sort of dynamic is is an interesting one that I I, I like that is represented on the show. Um, 
but uh, Polanski, I, I think maybe the thing is like, I love remember me for Dr. Crusher. I kind of like ethics for Dr. Crusher. Hmm. Um, th- there are episodes that I can kind of point to and, and say, I like Dr. Crusher in those stories. Um, but where Pulaski, it's, it's more of these little moments as, as opposed to like, wow, she, she killed that episode. And a lot of it is just lack of opportunity. She's in 22 episodes, uh, in, in, in one early season of TNG. Yeah. You know, she certainly could have placed very differently in a, in a ranking like this. Right. If she'd come in and she'd leave. Six. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or if she stuck with it, if she was there for two through seven or at least a, ch- a larger chunk than maybe one season. If she got the benefit of, you know, Michael Piller writing uh, later on in the show, um, you know, maybe I, I have no doubt that the character would have been even more successful than it was, but I don't get me wrong by the eight placement that uh, I, I, I'm not a Pulaski hater. I think um, there's plenty of value there. Yeah. Yeah. Cause interesting. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll we can wrap it up there cause we wanted to get back to this thing. I, I think that she's, sure. um, I just like, I, and I'm putting up up that high, even though she did that. Uh, Moldar did that terrible interview where she's like, "TOS and TOS, we were acting, we were actors." And TOS, and she's criticizing TNG about uh, like the, the scripts that she has to read or something like that. But I, I just like, like I hated her as a kid. I just didn't like mm-hmm. her as a character. I thought, Me that, too. I thought that she was, she, she was. To me, when I was a kid, she was a character who was disturbing what I thought was a happy show in that, like, mm-hmm. all the characters got along. And as I get older, I'm like, yeah, after watching season That's one, <laughs> you kind of need a character in there who's, like, doing things to the other characters. Like, that makes yeah. sense to do. And I like her for that. I think she's a good actress. I think she did a good job here. She brought a fresh take to it, and I uh, appreciate it. Let's, um, let's see. Rating and ranking. Is there anything else? Uh, oh, I was going to say, ask you a question, and I've completely forgotten what the question oh, was. Oh yeah, you're going to ask a question. Well, this is going. The, this- the Pulaski conversation was, <laughs> was longer than expected, and more interesting than <laughs> I could have ever hoped. My so, my question is, uh, um, my question is not going to be good. We'll come back to it if I if I kind of trigger myself and remember what I'm talking about. Um, okay. So the I, I guess we can just wrap up the uh, the ranking discussion with what's been your biggest changes over time. I don't know if you keep uh, detailed notes going back since all your rewatches and stuff, but what has, uh, you mentioned Pulaski has been a big change for you as a kid. What's, what's something that's Mm -hmm. changed uh, for the better and for the worse, maybe as you you rewatch these things, man, (laughs) Um, it's hard for me to define because things have changed. Certain things have changed quite a bit over the years. Like, like I said, I've been watching since I was, very, very young. So there are things that I certainly responded to differently at, you know, elementary school age. Like I remember, I distinctly remember being a young kid and loving emergence mm-hmm. for some weird reason. I think the train and the holodeck adventure like really spoke to me. And now I think it's, you know, borderline unwatchable. I, I, I have a very difficult time with that episode. So there are certainly plenty of examples like that, that, you know, if I trace all the way back to being a kid, but since I started the, the, the sort of Twitter experiment and, trying to watch with a more critical eye by ranking and all that fun stuff. Um, if you'll excuse me, I opened my, uh, your rating spreadsheet here. Yeah. Just to kind of have a, a sense that something catches my eye. No, I mean, um, it, as you're looking it over, I think that my, I, I can sort of answer for you as you look over and think sure. of an answer. I mean, I think that my, my sense of the amount of bad episodes has been interesting. My, and my sense of, I think it's my sense of what the shows actually did well is fascinating to me. Like when you 
people will now it's kind of in vogue to say that the DS9 storytelling is like so advanced over the TNG uh, storytelling and stuff like that. And I do agree that it's an evolution. And I think that's why DS9 is a better uh, is a p- pinnacle of start of 90s Star Trek because it did things with the TNG formula that Voyager didn't want to do. And I think sure. that it's better for that. However, I don't think it's fair to badmouth TNG. I think what TNG accomplished with 178 episodes that had literally like no impact on each other is very mm. difficult to do. It's very difficult yeah, to tell is. those kind of stories into. You could maybe argue that that's the reason why sci-fi stories on DS9 kind of suck a little bit because TNG did all <laughs> the good stories for Star Trek and it came there first and yeah. it did them all. And that's interesting to me. I think that the the strengths and the weaknesses of the individual series are at first glance don't seem apparent because they all look like 90s sort of low budget TV. They're not low budget, but they look kind of, you know, they don't look like cutting yeah, edge. They have a certain look. They right. have a certain look. They all look the same. If you were not familiar with Star Trek and flicking through the channels, you'd probably assume it was all the same show because they look very similar yeah. to each other. Um, but I think that the once you dive into this insane project of watching all the Star Trek episodes, you do pick up on the difference and they're very interesting differences. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the best change for me. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think in, in some ways, I, I, I would be able to, I think, there are certainly episodes of Deep Space Nine later in the run, particularly that take sci-fi concepts. I love Children of Time, uh, for example. Um, uh, there, there are episodes that have a more science fiction. Yep, Visionary like, is a good clear, one. Brian one. Visionary is a really cool one. Yeah, but I think your your point is is very apt. It, it's it's not really in Deep Space Nine's wheelhouse to do those kinds of stories, where it's it's very much more in TNG's DNA to be playing in that space and Voyager's DNA to even kind of be playing in that space yep. uh, where deep space nine is, is chugging on all cylinders when it's kind of not doing that. Uh, and, and yeah, I think watching it kind of a lot over the years and uh, not taking on face value. Oh, these are all Rick Berman shows that are all kind of filmed the same way and are all made by the same behind the scenes people, uh, the same DPs kind of ro- rotating around sharing, you know, show to show. Uh, that there's there there is a stark difference uh, if if you uh, go to look at them. Yeah. Um, but uh, episodes that I would kind of just point out that I can I can honestly say one you, you actually kind of mentioned it earlier in the show. Um, when I was younger, I'd, I'd even say like going back to like pre college, even into college, maybe that I I, I don't want to say I didn't like, but it was kind of more middle of the pack to me that I now would put in the absolute upper echelon. Uh, is the Corbomite Maneuver from the original series. I think that is uh, darn near perfect Star Trek yep. uh, for, for my money. Um, I like to think of the, the episodes that define the series, I think is a good way to look at some episodes. Mm-hmm. And Corbomite would be my, if, if someone was like, show me one TOS episode uh, that yeah. like, defines what TOS is, I would, I would show them Corbomite. Yeah, you had a tweet the other day that I thought was. Um, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm hoping I'm not speaking out of turn because I'm, I'm almost positive it was you. I, was, I scrolled by it and I saw it and I was like, "That's so good." Hmm. Uh, that well, hopefully uh, I'm going to take credit for it. <laughs> even if it's not, yeah. That uh, you know, TOS like season three is sort of the 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 image that people have in their head of what the original series. Oh, is. Oh, sure, but they remember. Like, yeah, the, the thing is, they remember the scripts from season one, but everyone remembers the tone of season three. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Corbomite Maneuver is such mature science fiction storytelling, and it's so counter to the, the 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 sort of label that you know Kirk has of being kind of rogue and 
breaks all the rules and, you know, shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah. You know, he's, woman he's woman at his hip and stuff like that. Woman yeah. at his hip all the time. Yeah. Like there's, and there's elements of that throughout the show. Like there's, there's cause to like poke that out and say there's things there that, that, that are well-founded, but you know, the things he does in the corporate maneuver, choosing to go back for Balak after he breaks away and not just leaving it, leaving him in the dust because it's an easy thing to do is, you know, that's, that's what makes Star Trek, Star Trek to me. And yeah. it, it's so early in the run. It's so defining, Dropping the mic on this is what the show is going to do. This is what this is all about. Uh, that's, you know, an unimpeachable episode of Star Trek for me that t- 10 years ago, five years ago, even maybe, I, I don't know if I would have been as strongly in favor of that is in the upper, upper echelon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know you haven't done Enterprise yet in your in your project uh, with podcasts, but there's an episode of Enterprise late in the run called Observer Effect. Uh, I don't know how well you remember it or if it comes back to you at all. It involves the... The Organians, the, there's, uh, they come across a planet that the Organians are essentially using as like a proving ground. The, there's a virus on the planet that they, they essentially test alien species as they come across this disease and a couple people get the illness. And how do the, how does the crew respond to sick crewmen? Like the Klingons put them to death and do away with them quickly right. and yeah. just leave them behind where they're, they're studying humanity's response to. Uh, you know, colleagues dying a slow death, basically. Yeah. Uh, really dark stuff. Really, really strong character stuff in it for Archer. I think, uh, particularly at the end, uh, that I I've really grown to love that episode. Uh, kind of taking that comparative look at it, hmm. grand scheme of things, and seeing it over and over again. Interesting. Interesting. For our final, um, well, let's let's run through the uh the just because we talked about this on the podcast, we'll do the best DS nine, five best DS nine episodes through season six. Uh, I'll go first, I guess. Sure. Uh, number five, we'll alternate, but I'll go first. Number five is wrongs darker than death or night. It's your number five. My number five, I'll go with, uh, through season six. I'll go with, uh, yeah, I'll go with duet. Oh, number five. Interesting. Yeah. Number four, Rocks and Shoals. I'll go with The Visitor. Number three, Pale Moonlight. Hmm. Number three, I will go Trials and Tribulations. No, interesting. Number two for me is Duet. Number two for me is Far Beyond the Stars. Number one is Visitor. Number one is in the Pale Moonlight for me. Interesting. All right, yeah. I mean... um, A lot of crossover. Do you have a decent amount? Do you have a sense of uh, when we started the podcast? Uh, we always, uh, my sense of the DS Nine top top episodes is that they don't stick out the way the TNG episodes do. Uh, if you are sort of looking at an episode list, it's harder to remember the best DS Nine episodes. I feel um, TNG kind of obviously sticks out to me, which are the good episodes, and DS Nine is not that way just because of how it was built and how they constructed the show sure. and everything like that. Like for me, number five on DS Nine so far. It could be a lot of things. There's not a there's not a hard line there. I went with wrongs darker than death or night because we watched it recently and I thought it was great. But um, yeah, it's really good. It's a, it's a tough episode to place there, and you feel surprised that you place there. But I I think visitor for me is clearly the number one DS nine uh, just because I put a lot of stock in um, the emotional aspects of these episodes. Like a lot of the really great episodes, yeah. I think are really emotionally affecting, and that doesn't always happen in Star Trek. And I think the visitor is actually does a good example of that. But Pale Moonlight is obviously uh, your number one. We just talked about that. Do you want to give your quick and dirty for Pale Moonlight? 
Yeah, to me, I think it is the most, uh, maybe it's the most quintessentially Deep Space Nine to me. It, it plays in the gray area in the most interesting way that I think Deep Space Nine kind of prides itself in living in. Um, I think I think it does. You guys talked about it on your episode. I, I, I listened to that one fairly recently because uh, it just came out uh, from the time we're recording this. Uh, but uh, I think co-host mentioned that the structure of that episode is really sort of unique and is a real asset. To, to that episode success. And I couldn't agree more. I love, and, and it, it's something that like your co-host is very often problematic to me, like kind of operating in that flashback kind of uh, space, telling the story through flashback right. is, is sometimes not the easiest thing to pull off. Where and, you're, where you're clunkily trying to hide what you're talking about yeah. for some reason. Yeah. Right. And it, 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 it often comes across as like just sort of convenient and, and, things come out at just the right time. Like it, it just can be like nails on a chalkboard to me in a lot of ways. Yep. Very, uh, very writerly. You can, you can see the script yes, in that case. Yeah. Very much so. But I think as you guys pointed out, the way it, having it not be like a debriefing and like a casual conversation with somebody, it's, it's Cisco like pouring his guts out in a personal log that I think he probably knows he's going to delete at the end of the day that he's, he's doing it for his own benefit to kind of work it out in his head and not really to, to save as any kind of official record. Uh, that that works for me. That's that's a really unique, cool thing, and it, it does stand out to me on those kinds of levels. The structure, the 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 kind of all in on the gray area, and 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 playing in the dark space, deep space nine kind of allows them to do. I think those traits make that episode kind of stand out as like a sort of beacon of this is deep space nine operating on all levels, completely taking advantage of its premise, and and capitalizing on the long running story threads that have built up to that point with the dominion and the desperation that's kind of coming, you know, from that, uh, you know, Cisco's decisions and Garrick's decisions have kind of been earned by the six years of history that we spent. Uh, to me, it's, it's sort of the crowning achievement of deep space. But I love what you said about the visitor being unique in its own way from the emotional standpoint. And my question to you would be is it just out of all the Star Trek you've watched, is the visitor like the most emotionally poignant, you know, successfully, you know, emotional episode of Star Trek that you've seen. Yeah, the mo- the most manipulative one. Um, <laughs> I, I'm I'm joking, but I um, is it the visitor is tough for me because the visitor. What I realized this run through of the visitor uh, because I had not seen it since I've become a father is that the visitor's greatest strength, I think, is the fact that. Cisco doesn't want Jake to find him, uh, mm-hmm. which I think is like the the saddest aspect of that whole story. Um, and it's something that I didn't really realize when I was younger. Why? Why? What was going on there? And I think I have a more appreciative feeling for it. I my top emotional Star Treks would be Visitor, Sarek, Inner Light. And I'm just going off what we've seen. TOS has no real emotion to it, so that's like it, it's uh, it's very operatic or epic in its emotion. And DS9 uh, probably probably duet or something. So I do tend duet to very stuff. highly rate emotional episodes because I think I rank Sarek a lot higher than a lot of people. Um, but yeah, I, I think Visitor is probably. My wife doesn't watch Star Trek, but she watched Visitor with me just because I asked her to, and she was crying at the end, like in a way that she normally doesn't because she can't take Star Trek too seriously, but she, she sure. was really affected by that episode. So I, I think it is, I think I would have, this is a long way of saying, I think it is probably the most affecting emotional effective. episode of Star Trek for particularly for some people, I think. 
Yeah, I think I think it throws some pretty heavy punches that land. Uh, and I'm not a parent, so I can't speak as a parent. But I, I totally hear what you're saying. If if as a parent, once you're kind of in that emotional space, you you kind of look at the Ben Cisco half of that episode. Totally differently. differently. Totally differently. Yeah, yeah. It's easy for me to look at it as it's Jake's story. It's Jake, you know, dealing with losing his parent and, and but not really losing the parent. You know, it's bad enough when you, you lose the parent, but it, when you kind of know they're still there kind of and there's hope. I mean, but it, not really. Yeah, it's sort of is, a I, I would imagine the like the the allegory there would be losing a child to something like drug addiction. Like you, mm. you just can't re, like you keep fading out of their life in a way that you yeah. can't help them. And all you can do is just see them falling apart through the years. Right. And I, I think that that's what it's playing off of. And I think it's really effective. Yeah. And you might get a little flash every few years of right. what you know. Yes. Like there's just enough there. There's just enough of like a tug there and enough of a leash that keeps you from completely disconnecting. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, I think the, all those things are why you can show it to your wife and she can have the emotional reaction to it. Like anybody could, you know, let's, uh, I guess we'll wrap this up. I've got a couple questions here. We can spend a little bit of time. Uh, unless you're sure. pressed for time, just let me know. No, but, no, no, we're good. Uh, so I, I came up with just kind of a couple random topics that we can close out on. Thank you for talking about ranking Star Trek, obviously, and all that sure. stuff. And you guys can check them out at Twitter, TrekFan4387. And there's a YouTube live show. There'll be a link down below in this video or podcast blurb. So Great. my question, the first one is, what question would you ask the other? So you ask me, I ask you regarding discovery because we're not getting off the discovery train just yet. Um, so, <laughs> let me off the hook. so do you want to go first? I don't know if you're prepared with a question. It's okay if you're not, or I can just ask I, I you. Kinda I kind of do. I can't say that I like scripted one, but I, I kind of knew the sort of question that I, I'm curious to ask. Sure. So uh, let me, I, let me ask you first, I guess, and then maybe that'll sure. form okay. something for you. Um, yeah. If discovery was not Star Trek, right? It was just called discovery and it had no trappings mm -hmm. of Star Trek. Would you watch it? <laughs> um, that's a tough question to answer. Um, you know, if I, I, I can't say that I would probably, I probably wouldn't, but that's not to say that I wouldn't like it. Uh, I don't watch. Sure. You don't, TV, you don't watch like the expanse or anything like that, right? No, no. I, I spend very, I, I see a lot of movies. I, I'm, I'm in a movie theater a lot of days a week. I, I see a lot of stuff. Um, so that's where a lot of my Star Trek is sort of the anomaly from, from a TV perspective. Uh, but I, I totally see where you're coming from with the question. Um, if, if the story was the same thing, but without the Star Trek trappings, you know, I have a hard time even kind of envisioning that because so much of what discovery is, is playing with sort of the Star Trek continuity, the Star Trek canon, the, the Burnham characters. So identified with, the Sarek family and Spock and what you kind of your, what your own baggage is with that character and that family coming into it, it sort of plays with me at least. Yep. Uh, that, it, it, I have a hard time wrapping my head around the idea of it operating as a non Star Trek show um, and what it would look like if you took away the Star Trek trappings. Uh, but I, I, I'd like to think I would, but I, I my honest answer is probably I, I wouldn't know because I wouldn't watch it because I, I, I don't typically watch TV shows unless they have Star Trek name on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> unless it's Enterprise before Enterprise got the Star Trek name. Uh -huh. Yeah, I I think that's my cool. litmus test for the quality of Discovery. I guess mm -hmm. is that I feel it's um 
Because you don't feel you would watch it if it didn't. Have I, I would. I would have given up through halfway through the first season. I think I would have been like, "What? What? What is going on? I don't understand any of this." Um, yeah, I, I, I think that. that the, and that's not to say I'm not one of these people that's like it's not Star Trek. It is. It is Star Trek. It's got it in the name. That's all it really takes to be Star Trek is to have yeah, a brand be. associated <laughs> with it. Now. And mm-hmm. so it, it's not an argument from that point of view. But I think that, I think that the reception of it is so splintered because it is Star Trek. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I certainly would not watch it if it was not Star Trek. Uh, we wouldn't have podcasted about it. Um, if we did, we probably would have given up on it and been like, I don't know what this is supposed to be. Um, but as you say, it's very difficult to pull it away from Star Trek because, and I think that's not a point in its favor, it relies so heavily on referencing Star Trek that it, exists only in that universe and it doesn't make sense in a lot of other universes. Yeah. I guess a question that I would ask you, and this is kind of offshooting from this a little bit. Uh, were you back, say like in the early two thousands when enterprise was on the air, uh, were you following things like Star Trek message boards or no. Star Trek fan sites for you were not. No. See, I was, I was. And, um, I didn't think it was possible for a show to be as divisive amongst the fan base in quotes, like whatever, however you want to define that, who's, who's represented in whatever you're looking at. Uh, then I didn't think it was possible for a show to be more divisive than enterprise was mm-hmm. in 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004. Uh, I mean, th- there was, there was a lot of, and most of it, I mean, divisive is being kind that <laughs> it sort of represents that there was a, that word implies that there's some positivity there. Yeah. Um, I, I spent a lot of time on it. Uh, just say it's still around. It's the Trek BBS. It, it was kind of Star Trek Twitter before there was Twitter as, as a thing. It's where bands largely went and you'd see live reactions to episodes as they aired and people talking about it all week and analyzing them up and down. And it was very, very negative. And I, like I said, I didn't think it was possible to get more divisive until discovery came. Um, but enterprise was certainly, you know, very, very uh, controversial for a lot of the same reasons that Discovery is. Uh, and, uh, well, not the same reasons, because Discovery is certain, certainly very specific to the serialization. But people complained about the way it fit into the canon and the continuity and things it was doing with the prequel idea. Yeah. There is some of the similarities are there. And then Voyager before it, even. I, I remember being a young kid and kind of following a lot of the same things. And Voyager was the vice of before uh Enterprise. So I, maybe because of my experience with that, I, I sort of chalk some of these things up to, you know, I try to put myself into the mushy middle a little bit with, I, I try to push myself away from the recency bias of, oh my God, it's great. It's new Star Trek. I, I want new Star Trek so bad that I'm going to love it no matter what. I try to push myself away from that. Like some of the people may be responding to my polls or not. And I try not to fall into the overly negative camp as well, yep. because I feel like I've seen that happen with every Star Trek show that I've been alive to see. What, what's a, what's a legitimate criticism of, of enterprise that you would remember? What do you, uh, beyond people bitching because nerds always bitch about everything on the internet. Yeah. But if you, what do you think is a legitimate criticism of enterprise? A legitimate criticism of enterprise that I would agree with is that it took too long. Well, <laughs> It took too long to totally capitalize on its premise. Early in the show, I think they were trying to capitalize on the prequel premise, trying to have that, like, right stuff. Oh, my gosh, we're green. This is new. Mm-hmm. 
were kind of naive being out there doing this thing. I think they try to do that early in the show, but they kind of fade away from it fairly quickly. And then they're kind of away from it and just doing Star Trek stuff. Yeah. 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 Like typical Star Trek stuff for, for about a season and a half. And then they go into season three and do something totally different. And then by season four, they're kind of just embracing that prequel concept and kind of going for broke with it. Uh, So I I think it's fair to say that the show wasn't consistent enough with capitalizing on the premise of the show Mm -hmm. uh, and, and fell too easily in the trap of doing what was comfortable and easy at the time. Um, But I I felt like at the time, the the most common criticism even beyond that was that it was playing too fast and loose with continuity. It was too, it was too uh, mean spirited toward the Vulcans. They, they made them too, <laughs> too, yeah, too bitchy. conniving and yeah, bitchy and, and evil where I think if, if you're patient with the show and you see where that goes and the way they sort of play with that over time, I, I don't see nearly the issue with it yep. now than that people did in 2001 when the show was new people, people's hair was on fire about the way the Vulcans were being portrayed yeah. at the time. Um, but I think the show evolved and, either fixed it or made it an asset, depending on how you want to look at it. But um, I, I, I hope that the same thing happens with discovery over time. What's your, uh, I can't remember if you asked me a question about that. I might've answered it and I just don't remember. Uh, I guess my sort of general question is, is, is discovery from your perspective where you said, is it, is it savable? Like, is it, are you, do you view it as something that, could could get on course in the same way that like old school Star Trek, you know, common label people would throw on their shows was, Oh, it took two seasons. The first two seasons were always kind of inconsistent and problematic. And then, you know, season three, season four, whatever would come along and they hit a stride. Like, mm. do you see that as a possibility with discovery or is it too damaged from your perspective? Is it too, too far gone? Is it not fixable? Or is it something that you could imagine a scenario where you see it like, hitting a comfortable stride. And there's two answers to that. I think the I'll answer like the realistic one first, which is me viewing this as a TV series. I would not be surprised if discovery is canceled after the next season. Uh, I think that discovery is the show that started the CBS all access thing that now nobody wants to claim it as their own baby. I think that all of the creatives who are involved with there would rather work on other projects. I think that they're, pulling off writers from the discovery team to write on the other projects so that this writer's room is never going to consolidate into anything. And I would not be surprised if they just considered it a decent way to lead people into CBS all access and branch off onto other shows. And they're just going to cancel it because it's not worth the problem that they get from it. Um, It's expensive. It's not a show that really gets critical acclaim in a way that they would want Star Trek people show up for it. But I think that, in the next year, when we're going to have like 32 concurrent Star Trek series running at the same time, they can afford to cut Discovery. Um, you said you wanted to say something. It sounded like. I, 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 yeah, I'm sorry. I was just going to say that I think you could be onto something. Um, you know, I remember not too long ago, somebody, it might have been Kurtzman even, who, who slipped and said something like, well, the Section 31 show that's being developed is is sort of being conceived as something that would run. You know, after the third season of Discovery, yes, he had he had a weird he had a weird thing about it'll (laughs) run after Discovery ends, and so you're assuming Discovery's ending fairly soon, yeah, right. So I think that could certainly be true, and I do definitely get the sense that uh, you know some of the writers that have been with Discovery since the beginning, the ones who haven't left uh, in the the chaos that was there for the first season and a half, uh, have some of them have kind of it seems like been 
splintered off to go do Picard. And Kirsten Beyer seems to have gone off to do that. Yep. Section 31 pulled the other two. Yeah. yeah. So th- there is definitely um, maybe, maybe something there, there that the discovery is getting ready to wrap up and uh, things are going to get splintered off into other directions as they develop other things. So you, you could certainly be right there. My, 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 if I, if you were telling me that you're giving me the show right now and you're saying, do you think you could save this? Not that not that sounds pretentious, but like if, if I'm operating under the sense of like what's best for the show going forward, how do we do this? I see no reason that Discovery can't be saved. I think that they've removed an albatross from around their neck by getting out from under TOS and the prequel nature of things. Um, Fuller stuck them there. And then left, and apparently he had no. He had no. Apparently he was just bitter about this anthology. I'm just assuming uh, what he's thinking, but apparently he's just bitter about this anthology thing, and he just gave up with like a, out a way to fix continuity. And I don't even right. really care about continuity that much. Like I, I just find Discovery's continuity egregious in the sense that it's like, well, you're coming up with all these problems that. I have to waste my entire season thinking, how are you going to fix this? And then at the end, you just go, yeah, no one wants to talk about this anymore. So hands clean. Like we, we fixed the problem, guys. Don't worry about it. Mm. I don't really buy that. But bumping Discovery into the future where it can't impact anything and the spore technology would actually make sense in the future is fine with me. They need to totally fix how they tell stories and maybe they can do that. Uh, but outside of that, I think that the, the series is perfectly salvageable. I don't know if it would be interesting, but you can certainly turn it into something. I don't think it's, it's not broken in the sense that, um, it just cannot be, it's not broken in the sense that the idea is bad. The idea is fine, but they need to settle in and do something with the concept that they've, they've built around it to this point. Yeah. I I do think there's an opportunity by putting him in the future. It does certainly remove the, the the chain around their neck like you said of the having to to exist so close to the same space as TOS and all the problems that kind of brings from the way people perceive it and the, the things people expect to see and don't expect to see uh, that's what I'd like to show <laughs> that's what I'd like to show the people complaining about enterprise you know back in 2003 well. <laughs> you'd be like you guys think this is you guys think this is bad like wait till you see what's going on here it's the argument I have for um when people finished watching Game of Thrones and they were like, that last season was the worst thing I've ever seen. I was like, you guys need to watch two seasons of Discovery to figure out, like, Discovery does everything that Game of Thrones did poorly. It just does it for its entire series run. It's very it's very interesting. Didn't mean to interrupt, and I'm getting a negative. No, no. No, 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 no. No, no worries. Um, uh, uh, what was I going to say? I had something I was going to say. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, no. I, I was, no, was going to say that for the first time in really Star Trek's history – they're going to a place with this third season where they are, where you can honestly say, like, I have no idea what that even means. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know yep. what, what, what kind of possibilities it opens up. It's even like when discovery was coming and it was like all these new people doing it and new era of TV on track. Like you still kind of, it had to be a certain thing because like, yep. of where it was being set. This is, this is the first time Star Trek's ever kind of gone to a place where I, I sit here and I don't even know. I don't, I don't even know what to think about. Yeah. To expect, yeah. you know, like it's completely a blank slate, which I think could be something that could really play to its favor and maybe give uh, some folks who have had a hard time with it up to this point, maybe a fresh lens to look at it. Yeah. through. You know, not to forgive the first two seasons for, for people who have struggled up to that point, but uh, maybe maybe give it a, a different uh, leg to stand on. Right. Even Voyager, which is like, we're sending them across the galaxy. There's totally different. It's yeah. like it's still people with a, a headpiece on talking. To right. Them in it's still. Contemporary, like yeah. it's it's still operating in the same 
Yeah, universe. Star basically. Trek this is space. just such a yes. It, it never felt like I don't know what this is going to be. You kind of knew what it was going to be. Yep, that's a good point. Discovery mm-hmm. could look totally different. Everything, not the ship, but the the show could just look totally different. To they can do all kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, let's talk Picard expectations briefly. Are you excited? That's a little bit of an obvious question, but are you? Um, what are you looking forward to, and what are you terrified of? I'm I'm looking forward to getting back to post Voyager, post Nemesis, like getting to explore that space in the Star Trek universe, getting the opportunity to revisit uh, not just Picard. I mean, we obviously know Seven of Nine is going to be in it, Data is going to be in it in some capacity. However, that's going to work. But just just being in a Star Trek space where a lot of the stuff that I'm the most nostalgic for from that 24th century era uh, is is very much in play again. Uh, it feels like it's been a long time. It has been a long time. It's been how many years has it been since 2002? 17 years mm-hmm. since we got Star Trek that was was kind of able to just wear it on its sleeve and go that way uh, and play in that space. You know, with Enterprise, they had to operate as a prequel, and there was this whole list of things they couldn't do. And in Discovery, obviously, sort of the same thing. They had to tie their hands behind their back to, to do a bunch of anything. Yeah. And then even the, even the Kelvin Timeline stuff, they there's things that, there's you know, it, it gets uncomfortable because of where they're setting it. So I'm, I'm most excited about being back in a place where the world is kind of their oyster again, and they can, they can go in any kind of direction they want to and not have to worry about previous continuity yeah i'm um i'll do my excited for and then we can move into the trepidation stuff i think sure. i'm most excited just for as you talked about from a production standpoint this makes more sense than discovery ever did because if you are if you're trying to build this universe in a new show there's no reason not to set it in a time period where you can easily pull in actors from other series that people are going to latch on to and not that you heavily involve them or anything but like it, it, there, there's a advantage to being able to show the TNG and DS9 actors who are 20 years older at this point. And there's a way that you can develop their stories, and it's a springboard yeah. for stories. You can build off of what you know about those characters. Discovery doesn't do that because you don't know anything about these characters and the pace is so lightly fast that you don't learn anything about them. The That's the best thing about the Picard series, um, I think, is that it's going back into that world where all of that kind of building is possible uh, the other good thing is that I think Patrick Stewart is obviously incredible as an actor. I like the episode order. I think there's only 10 of them, I think, which is the right thing to do. The destruction of Romulus, which seems to be weigh- uh, weighing into things, is a nice way to bridge the Kelvin and this timeline together. Agreed. That, that, like, there's no reason not to do that. And all of that is very good. Uh, my only trepidations would be a couple minor ones are I don't like the number of guest stars that are, are popping up constantly. There's like a new there's like a new name every week about someone's going to make a have a scene in Picard. I'm fearful that the show could potentially just become Picard bumping around into old people who have a couple scenes with him every once yeah. in a while. I don't want that. And I'm also just the biggest threat to this is that Kurtzman was involved in breaking the story. And Kurtzman, if you just look at his IMDb is someone who is built to make things like Discovery. He believes strongly in emotional swells and action in a way that he's fundamentally not... Like, he's paired with Abrams, but Abrams is fundamentally a better storyteller than Kurtzman is. Mm -hmm. Kurtzman does not really seem to understand or want to work with character stuff. He believes in melodrama. 
more than anything else. He believes in sort of soap opera-y swells of emotion and grand uh, proclamations and then big explosions. And it's devastating to storytelling because you end up with discovery stuff, which is we need to get to all these plot points that are big swells. However you get there, it does not matter. And then when we get there, we're going to have horrible scenes between Ash Tyler and Burnham where they hug and cry, and we don't know who the hell these people are. And that's the danger to me um, from that. They have Chabin show running, and Chabin is actually an award-winning writer, so I believe in him, and yeah. he also did the best uh, short track. So I believe that yeah. they have possibility to overcome it. Kurtzman still being involved is problematic to me. And the the scene that sums it up, I think, is in the trailer – when the girl is doing kung fu on the stairs is is like that's mm-hmm. that's what I'm most frightened of. I think too much of that. Yeah, I I have some confidence in it because of Shabon. I, I hear what you're saying, and I think you know Kurtzman's best suited position is probably one of the sort of overseer, you know, Berman role ish. Yep. Yeah, like keep it pointed in the right direction, oversee the the, the big picture stuff, you know. By all means, be involved in like post production, the post the post production side of things. That's what Rick Berman did. He was always involved in the editing and the scoring and things like that. You know, knock knock yourself out, do all that stuff for sure. Uh, but I, I do think his his uh, strength is not in necessarily like the show running capacity. Uh, and but Michael Shabon would seem to be, although he's never done anything like this before. Uh, he's a novelist, yep. by trade, uh, but. Uh, th- that's that's certainly a. a he's worked in movies too. He's, he's done he's done movies yes. and he's written scripts, but he's he's certainly not sure. showrun. I don't think at any point in time. Yeah, now I've heard him say that in interviews. That just I, I think at uh, the Comic Con uh, panel that he was on, he 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 said a couple of times like just the amount of writing <laughs> that on his mind a lot. He just kept saying that like yeah, it's ten hours, and I, I get the impression based on the way he was talking about it that you know his hands are on probably every script. Yes. You know, he may not be credited on them, but I'm sure he's. He's, he's he's putting out a lot of work, and I'm not I'm not uh, a big believer in I'm not a big believer in experience in those kind of roles. I'm not a big believer in experience mm. in general. Like I don't really care. Mm. Uh, like people want to complain about Michelle Paradise taking over a showrunner for Discovery. It's like fine. What do like just do a good job? What do I care if she yeah. hasn't done this before? Um, right. And I I feel the way for that way for Shabon, who I I think has a little bit more experience and kind of understands what's going on as a a novelist, but we'll see. I'm excited for it anyway. I'm much more excited for Picard than Discovery Season 3. I'm I'm excited for both, but yeah. I'm very excited for Picard. Uh, Does that have a release yeah. date yet? Is it 2020? Not specifically. 2020. Early 2020, I think. Early 2020. All right. I think we're supposed to finish DS9 by then, so that should be good. Last thing to talk about. So after we finish DS9, what would be your recommendation for what this podcast covers? Should we do Voyager? Should we do Enterprise? Should we do something uh, else? Um, because we have not gone in chronological order on this show. We started yeah. with TNG, then we did mm-hmm. TOS, and now we're on DS9. Yeah, I part of me says, the way I, I didn't really get into this, but when I rewatch Star Trek, I tend to overlap. Like, I, I watch it the way it aired. So I'll watch an episode of DS9, then an episode of Voyager. And one of my favorite things about doing that is just kind of looking at these two shows as two things that are like running coherent, like uh, right up against each other. Seeing, yep. You know, watching these two episodes aired the same week. Um, and and th- they are like, we were kind of talking about earlier. They're so distinctive in their own ways, but they're so similar in others. Uh, Deep space nine and Voyager spent so much time running against each other. I, I, I kind of like the idea of you guys running right from deep space nine into Voyager and kind of looking at them as sort of, you know, 
brother sister kind of yes the the relationship thing. that they that they have it may kill us yeah that's the problem with doing it may voyager. kill you <laughs> it's killed it's killed many podcasts before getting to to voyager i think um yeah my I, my argument for enterprise would just be that it's shorter and you can get through it more quickly true um true this is no. This is. I'm not making some grand proclamation about what we're doing. I'm just kind of floating this idea to people who are listening to this and wondering what we're going to do. I don't know yet. We're going to say, um, but it would be. I, I can understand what you're saying. I wonder if I, I. I just don't know. What would be your case for Enterprise? Why would I do Enterprise instead of Voyager? Uh well, I love Enterprise. I've, I've loved, like I said, Enterprise. Enterprise was the, on the four years I was in high school, so I have a have a lot of memories associated with enterprise uh and i've always been a big defender of it uh i i i know the way you like you just said you did tng and then you kind of bridge tng to deep space nine these two seven season 170 episode shows with tos kind of tucked in the middle and it might make sense to take a small a little bit of a shorter show a little bit more of an anomaly with enterprise and kind of tucking that in between uh, deep space nine and voyager these two larger bigger projects yeah um, it, Enterprise is a, a unique animal that might uh, freshen things up for you a little bit. It, it gives you some new things to think about, and it, it's a it's a totally it, it is it's similar in the same ways because it's a lot of the same people working on it. It's a Rick Berman show, Brandon Braga, you know, obviously not involved with Deep Space Nine right now, but is a TNG voice that is very obviously involved with Enterprise. But uh, so there's a lot of connective tissue there, but it's definitely its own thing. Mm. Um, and the fact that you've done TOS and you, you you have that under your belt, I think TOS is a useful thing to kind of have some sense of recency with to go into Enterprise because they there is some connective tissue there too with some things Enterprise tries to do. Some more successfully than others trying to tie into TOS. Last question for you. Mm-hmm. Say you were uh, – I always get a kick out of going to like the Star Trek Reddit and something and there will be, be a question that's like, how do I convince so-and-so – to watch Star Trek, like what's the best way to do it? And the always the top upvoted comments is always like, "Well, you should never skip an episode of Star Trek. You should just watch all the all the Star <laughs> Trek episodes, and then you'll truly understand what you're talking about." Um, yeah. How would you recommend someone uh, not experienced in Star Trek? It will say a little bit younger than me or you. Uh, let's mm-hmm. say mid twenties. How, how would you suggest that they get into Star Trek? Um. I, I did a podcast a couple of years ago now uh, about this kind of very thing. It was a five episode marathon for how to introduce somebody to Star Trek. And the approach that I took on that was I picked the discovery didn't exist yet. So I picked an episode from each show and the kind of thesis for it was pick an episode from each show that sort of is representative of that show to see if something would latch on with that person. But, uh, so I've done that before and that was very difficult to do. Uh, but, um, you know, the the older I get and the more people I meet through this Twitter experience that I'm having and connecting with new people all the time, I'm continually amazed by the number of people in that age range that you're, you're mentioning, somebody would say in their 20s, that are interested in Star Trek because they saw Star Trek 09. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I, I think it's certainly not necessarily completely representative of what you're going to find if you dive in to the whole body of water yeah. with, with Star Trek. Yep. Uh, it, it's, it's an anomaly in a lot of ways, but I think it's not like probably... the Star Wars movies. That's the funny thing about the Star Wars movie. Like you, the Star Wars movies are Star Wars. They, they are the they Star are. Wars universe for better or for yeah. worse. And Star Trek 09 is different than that. It's different, but I do think it's a way for somebody to dab their toe in the water and find out if 
like it's going to work at all. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Like if there's, it's either going to completely not land, land like a thud, land with a thud and, and the person's going to tune it out. And you know, that, that it's, it's a kind of a, I think probably going to be a lost cause Yeah, or it might trigger something, you know, something in Spock's character, something in the Kirk Spock relationship, something about the, where it's set and the Vulcans and the Romulans and the Klingons, just if those kinds of things latch on and those things are kind of packaged in such a concise throw it in your face kind of way in 09. Um, I, I kind of want to say that if it's going, if we're going young, if we're talking about somebody who is in their twenties and has never seen Star Trek before, I'd probably sit them down and say, just tell me what you think of this. Hmm. Like, does this, does this world interest you? Um, I don't feel great about it because I like I, I like those movies probably more than many people do, but I, I I don't know that it's ultimately representative of what I hope they fall in love with with the great Star Trek universe, yeah, the greater Star Trek universe. But I I I, I just I know people. The guy I do my show with Trek Live went on his first date with his wife to see Star Trek 09 in eighth grade and sure. <laughs> fell in love with the woman and fell in love with the show and has been watching Star Trek ever since. Uh, so it worked on him, and I think if you, you took a kind of poll of people on Twitter. How'd you fall in love with Star Trek? The vast majority of the the ones that fall under a certain age are gonna are gonna point to that movie. Yeah, now I'm just thinking the the first movie I went to see with my now wife was uh, Tom Cruise's <laughs> Valkyrie, which no one has thought oh, about. Man. No one has thought about since that came out. I think so. I I, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it when it was out. I saw. So <laughs> I actually kind of liked it a little bit. I yeah. I just remember him being, getting executed or something. Spoilers: they shoot him <laughs> or something. But whatever, whatever. Yeah. That's the end of it. Indeed, they do. Uh, that's it, guys. Thank you very much for listening, Bill. Thank you very much for coming on and talking Star Trek for an hour and a half. There's not anything I'd rather do for an hour and a half, so I appreciate <laughs> you giving me the opportunity. Any any night I can spend an hour and a half talking about Star Trek. With Why don't you um, uh, plug your Twitter, plug the YouTube, and then people can check you out. And then uh, I guess we'll call it a day after that. Sure. Uh, yeah, you can find me on YouTube uh, on the Trek Live uh, show most weekends, either Saturday or Sunday, pretty early in the morning. Uh, for, for now, at least, uh, talking about Star Trek, random topics, favorite captains, favorite episodes, uh, you know, deep dives into this movie or that movie, guessing each other's favorite characters, things like that, fun topics. Just you can come in, hang out, be a part of the conversation, help drive it. Um, so that's Trek Live on YouTube, and you can find me on Twitter at TrekFan4387, as in April 3rd, 1987, which is my birthday. Um, and um, you'll find episode reviews that are like i said part of i'm doing it as i rewatch polls for all the episodes as i hit them trying to get people talking about what the mv trying to get people to share their mvp of each episode what's the best yep. thing these episodes have to offer you'll find all that on on that twitter feed absolutely i recommend it it's easy just vote you just see the thing pop up and just you click, click a vote and there, yeah. there you go it's like you're saying it's it's easy uh easy as can be and then um absolutely. i think that's it yeah it's it's an interesting talk because um from our I, I love doing the the podcast with Clay and everything, but Clay being new to all the Star Trek stuff like limits how how mm-hmm. deep we can go because I'll say like, well, Clay, what don't you remember when this happened four episodes? And he goes, no, I don't remember that happening at all. <laughs> so uh, it's a little bit different of a conversation here, but it's been good. Thank you for coming on, Bill. And uh, I guess that's it, guys. New Star Trek uh, podcast will be coming out. You can check out the Trek Fan four three eight seven Twitter. All that stuff. And uh, I don't know when this is going to come out. So either His Way has just come out or Reckoning has come out, something around there. But anyway, let us know what you think. Let us know how things are going. And I will see you guys later.